Hey, bookworms, do I have a deal for you? Right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series is available on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo. That's fasten your seatbelts and eat your fucking nuts. Flight Attendant Joe and I'm Just Here for the Layovers, available on ebook and paperback. And here's a little secret that I don't want you to tell anyone, all right? This is just between us right now. Each ebook is only $2.99. I know, I know. But I did not fall and hit my head. I know exactly what I'm doing. And each one is $2.99 right now. The Flight Attendant Joe series, available on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo. If you're looking for an inappropriate laugh, I've done all the work for you. All you have to do is sit back, read, and enjoy. If you enjoy listening to the Grounded with Joe Thomas podcast, please consider becoming a patron today. Visit www.patreon.com slash Grounded with Joe Thomas. There's multiple tier levels and each one of them comes with access to the Friday Debrief, which is a short little podcast episode I record on Friday mornings for patrons only. Of course, the podcast is always going to be free on all your podcast apps, but if you want to become a supporter and a patron of the podcast, you can. Just visit www.patreon.com slash grounded with Joe Thomas. Hey guys, Joe Thomas here. Are you like me? All summer long, I've been just anticipating and excited about the idea of traveling again. I just want to get out. I want to do something. I don't, when my husband asks me to go check the mail, I'm excited. Okay. I think just getting out of the house and doing something is the most exciting thing right now. I am so thrilled about the idea of being able to travel again that I'm planning my vacations out until 2025, just so I could look at them on a piece of paper and have something that I can look forward to. If you are right there too, and you're excited about travel, I want you to check out Robert and Edgar from The Getaway Guys. I have known Robert for over a decade, and he is very passionate about getting you the best deal for your vacation. They cater to airline employees, their parents, and airline retirees. And I don't know if you know this, but I am an airline retiree. And I'm going to be checking out their website when it's time for me to book my next vacation. They can get great low interline rates with no booking fee. No booking fee. Ladies and gentlemen, that means all that money that you would have been paying for a booking fee is just cash in your pocket, in your wallet, in your purse that you could spend when you're traveling and exploring and having the adventure of a lifetime. And LGBTQ plus travelers, I fall into that category as well. They're authorized sellers of Vakaya, Atlantis, and RSVP vacations. They're a one-stop shop. You could do everything on their website. Hotel, flights, car rentals, vacation packages. I want you to follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Getaway Guys Travel, and then go over to their website, thegetawayguys.com, and start looking for your next adventure because they're going to be there ready to book it for you. Again, that's thegetawayguys.com. Check them out now. Please do it. You deserve it. Welcome to episode number 59 of Grounder with Joe Thomas. This episode is Joe and Sarah talk in vitro fertilization, IVF. And I want to tell you, it is a baby-making conversation, but not the one you would expect. We talk about what led her and her husband, Adam, down the path of IVF. 
I'll be honest, she spoke so candidly and open and honest and really educated me on the process of IVF. Not only that, but also the toll it has on you emotionally, physically, and how it affects the relationships around you in your life. We chatted about her first son's birth 10 years ago, about adoption if IVF did not work for them, and then five years ago, her and her husband got a call from the clinic that housed her one last frozen egg, which changed the dynamic of their entire family. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Sarah to the show. Of course you're ready. Hey, everybody. Welcome, Sarah, to the show. Sarah, welcome to Grounded with Joe Thomas. I'm very excited you could come and chat with me today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you. You know, at first, I I sent your husband a message because this is not the first time you've been on the show. You were on the show when we did Parents Talking About COVID-19. So when I was mapping out, because there's only, um, after your episode, there's only two more for the season. And then the, I'm taking the month of December off cause I'm tired, but I was like, I got to get Sarah on the show because she's got a fascinating story. So I sent your your husband, Adam, a message. And I was like, do you think she'd come on? And he was like, well, just ask her. And I was like, well, you don't have to be a bitch about it. <laughs> but you, story said, of my life. you said yes right away. So thank you, Sarah, for coming on to the show to talk to me today. You're welcome. I'm happy to do so. Well, I brought you on because I really want to get really personal and dig deep into your life regarding um, in vitro fertilization. But first, we've got to talk about the fact that I've actually been to your high school because I'm a lunatic. So ladies and gentlemen, I am. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah went to the same high school, hold on everyone, as Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone. I can't even get the last name out. I'm so excited. Um, which is in Rochester, Michigan. Do you remember the day that I was on a layover in Michigan and I rented a car and I drove to your high school because I'm a freak and I took a photo outside of the school and sent it to you? I do remember that very well, in fact. Was that the day you were like, Adam, he's never allowed to be with our children because he's obviously a maniac? I mean, it was a little crazy because it's not like you just went a short distance to go there from the airport. How far, you know what? I was in such a fanatical phase that it felt like it was only like a five minute drive, but I think it's like an hour and a half. No, well, like hour, hour and a little bit of change. Not quite an hour and a half, but yeah, it's a solid hour from the airport. Right. You know what? The extra half an hour was me trying to find her her childhood home, which I found... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I'm crazy. But um, now when you went to school there, may I ask, she graduated in 76. May I ask what year you graduated? I was 97. I wasn't even born when she graduated. Oh, so, wow, that makes me feel old because I was four years old. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, when you were in school there, was it like known? And before we, you know, I have to ask these questions. Was it known that, Madonna went there. Was it something like, did you guys pray to her in the morning? I like, I don't know. Tell me what it was like. I, <laughs> it was very known that she went there. Um, she never admitted that she was from Rochester, like publicly though. I think she always talked about Bay city, I think. Um, okay. cause I think, I think that's where she was born, but she lived in Rochester for quite a while. I think she was a cheerleader at my high school. Um, Everybody know about it. Nobody prayed. <laughs> Nobody prayed to her, Joe. You know what? That's because um, I wasn't a student there. I, <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, go ahead. I'm crazy. 
Um, but yeah, they, in fact, it's, um, in the library, like all, they had all the, um, like class pictures and yearbooks and stuff. And then every single one, her picture was cut out because they would get stolen so often that they ended up just cutting her out of everything. So nobody would steal it. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So all this, so the yearbooks that the school had on campus, they had to yeah. cut all her photos out because people would just cut them out and steal them. Yeah. But yeah, steal the book or, or cut them out themselves. And you know, those big, like, um, class pictures with uh, like poster kind of things that you would flip through that hang on the wall. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I'm probably too um, old Sarah, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they definitely don't have them anymore. I right. feel like you're probably old enough for this, but they had big like poster sizes of the class pictures and hers, like, just her little circle picture was cut out of it. Wow. Do you, was that, was that done by the school or was that done by crazy people? Like if I would have went to school there. I think a little bit of both. I think right. both were, were the case. I think crazy people like you had done it enough that they ended up just cutting out instead of replacing things. They ended up just cutting them out themselves. You know, I'll admit this, that at my point, at my age now, I wouldn't do this. But when I was 23, I would have moved there so my future children could have went to the high school with Madonna, at the same high school that you went to. But um, it was because of Madonna. So, and do you know when I was there? So I got there and it was, there was no school, of course. So I walked around like a crazy person and I had to pee really bad, like really bad. So, you know, when you're facing the school, you know, I was yeah. parked in the parking lots to the left and then there was a grassy area and then there's all these woods. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. That's the area we referred to as overflow. Well, I peed in those woods. <laughs> so if you ever go back for a high school reunion and you guys happen to meet at the school, I want you to look over those trees and say, I know a fucking maniac who peed out there because he's crazy. I mean, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing that happened in those woods, that's for sure. Oh, I bet you were in those woods, but we won't talk about that because this is a family <laughs> episode. Did I swear already? <laughs> I said, I'm not going to swear, and I think I already did, and it's five minutes in, so that's over. Uh, yeah, I think you definitely did. I did. All right, so thank you for um, satisfying that Madonna High School itch that I will always have because... It's very exciting to me that I know someone that went to the same high school as her, even though you guys, you weren't even born when she graduated. I know. That's really sad, Joe. Well, listen, I have problems and I admit them and I don't hide behind <laughs> them. And that's one of them. Um, so there you go. But listen, enough of Madonna. This is about you. And I am, I want to get right to the point and say, if I say anything that's um, disrespectful or I use the wrong terminology regarding um, in vitro fertilization, IVF, please correct me. I, my ego is not that big that I can handle being corrected if I'm wrong. Um, okay. But I did, do, I did do a lot of, um, I did do some research. Okay. So of course you're on the show because you and your husband have two beautiful children. And I, I don't, I've told you this, but I don't know if the world knows, but you guys have ruined me ever wanting children because yours are perfect. I mean, from a distance, they look perfect. Sure. Well, well don't ruin my, when I see their pictures, I'm like, those are the best kids on the planet. Look at that little one. Sure. He looks like he wants to burn the house down one day, but I'm sure he's fine. 
She is. They're both really good kids. We're lucky. You are. Now, what led you down? Take us all the way back to when you first wanted to start getting pregnant. And then what led you to the in vitro fertilization path? What let you guys, what led you guys down that path? So, um, we had been married, um, for probably a year and we wanted kids and we didn't do anything to prevent having children. If that makes sense. At that point, we weren't trying very, like we weren't actively trying, but it had been at that point kind of years since we had actively prevented it. If that makes sense. Um, and we got into about a year of our marriage and really kind of, um, decided that we were ready to, to try. And so we did, we did like, I, you know, started charting things and all the advice online and books and stuff like you're supposed to chart your temperatures and, um, your whole ovulation cycle. And so we would do what, what we were supposed to do. And we did for, I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a really long time. It was probably six to eight months, um, which is nothing really compared to what some other people go through. Mm -hmm. And I think I had a routine doctor's appointment and we just kind of got talking about having babies and getting pregnant. And I had mentioned that we had been trying, um, without success so far. And my doctor at the time kind of dove into our history and how we really hadn't been trying to prevent it for quite some time. So in his eyes, even though we weren't actively trying, we should have already gotten pregnant because it had been probably five years um, that nothing like we hadn't taken any like birth control measures. So he was surprised that we hadn't already gotten pregnant at that point. Um, so he just wanted to do some like normal fertility testing at, at that time. So they, they did some tests on me. Um, and then or they sent us to a fertility specialist and this, we were still living in Michigan at this point. Um, so he sent me to a fertility specialist there and they did a bunch of testing on me and then had Adam give a sample and did tests with that. And they determined that really at that point we could continue trying the way we were trying, um, which is frustrating when you want it so bad. Um, or we could think about um, using some assistance because it was unlikely with with our issues, it was unlikely that we would get pregnant without some assistance. Um, so we talked about it for a couple months and continued to try and kind of agonized over it for a little bit and then decided we jumped right into IVF because of, because of the fertility issues we, we were diagnosed with, I should say. Um, our IVF doctor was just, was pretty adamant that we go right to IVF instead of starting. A lot of people start with, they call it IUI, but, um, where it's inner uter, inner insemination, which is, different than less invasive than IVF, but he thought for us, it was that we should go straight to IVF. So IUI, that's kind of like when someone, you know, ejaculates into a cup, I'm going to try to have this conversation like an adult. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> and use adult words. So it's, and then they take that, the semen, and then they put it inside you. That's what that is. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. And they make, they, they, um, through hormone injections, they make the, the woman as fertile as possible for that injection, basically. Okay. And it's non, it's non-surgical. There's nothing like they just, they, they take the best sperm that they can. Like they call it washing. I think they wash mm-hmm. the sperm and put the best swimmers up in there at the most fertile point, um, for the women. So like it's, it's best case scenario. If you just need a little bit of help, a little bit of hope, help, help. I thought you said a little bit of hope that is swimmers. So they basically yeah. take, take the swimmers and they put them as close to the egg as possible to say, Hey, you don't have to go down that long canal. You can just boop. You're right there. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Right. Okay. It's, yeah, for sure. And then IVF is, is more invasive and where they actually, retrieve the eggs, take them out, fertilize them in a lab and then put them back in. So when you say for, so is it, do they have to, do they go inside you or to get the eggs or do you have to have like surgery? No, they, um, I, they knocked me out. I was under anesthesia, um, for the retrieval. Honestly, it's been so long that I don't, they had to go in, mm-hmm. it wasn't surgical, but it was, they had to go through like, I think the uterine wall and the, like uncomfortable situations, sure. um, or uncomfortable things. So they did put me under for that just for the retrieval. And they, with my retrieval, they, I think it was like 20 eggs that they got. Um, wow. and cause they do, they again, pump you. For the IVF, I did like four weeks worth of hormone injections um, and prep for getting as many eggs as possible. So when they retrieve them, yeah, they make you, again, like shed more or they retrieve more than you would actively have if you were trying naturally. When, When you go to the doctor and you guys are young and you're married and you go to the doctor and they're like, you're going to need some assistance getting pregnant. How do you cope with that? Because I know for many women, it's like, it is like in their DNA, of course, that it's like, I'm going to have babies. I'm going to have, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have babies. And you hit that roadblock. What's the first thing? How do you process through that? I mean, it's hard. It's hard when they say like, this is not going to be an easy thing because you're right. As a woman, you think like that. And I, I mean, I was dead set on, on being a mom and having a family. And so when someone tells you that it's not going to be as easy as you figured, um, it's scary and heartbreaking. And um, I think there's like, there was a lot of guilt on both of our sides because I think that some of the issues were kind of with both of us. So I, it's hard to just, it's hard to look at your partner and know that like, I mean, part of this is my fault. It's also sad to look at your partner and think that part of this is your fault. You know, I mean, it's just, oh, yeah. it's, but it's not, but that's, it's not, it's not an active emotion. It's just, it's just kind of all happens. And you go through that, like we went through a grieving process and I was angry and, um, and we did continue to try for a few months before we 
we went through IVF and that was really, that was hard because you're going through the mechanics of it instead of having fun. And it, Oh yeah. You're oh, upset, right. you're upset about everything and you're like scheduling things and you're, you know, Adam being a pilot is, it was hard because he was gone sometimes or it was like awkward times that we would have to do stuff. And it was just, it was, it was hard. It was hard. And when we finally made, once we finally made the decision though, I think we both came to terms with, with this was the best way for us to have a baby. And, um, once we kind of got past that initial shock and the heartbreak, uh, it's, it's been a great process. So, you're describing it like I see it in the movies, but you know, I'm always like, oh, movies are movies, but it really is where you're like, I'm ovulating. You need to be home at five o'clock. Is it that? Yeah. Is it that? So that's, that's almost like contradictive because here your body's supposed to be all relaxed and you're going to get pregnant, but obviously you're stressed. It's obviously a stressful oh, yeah. situation. You're like, just stick it in and let's try to get this done. Yeah. Well, and that's why they say that, like, some women, like, just stop trying and you'll end up getting pregnant. And that's just not, that's not the case for everybody. I, it does happen sometimes, but it's, it's never not stressful. When you've got your heart set on that, it's just, it does. It, it feels more mechanical than, than making, bonding. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's yeah. like a job, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's so wild. Now, so you go in, they take out 20 eggs. Then what is the next step they do? So then um, they, I think only 12 were viable, like were able to um, fertilize. Mm -hmm. And so Adam, like when, as they were doing the, retrieval from me, Adam went and gave his sample. And they take the they took the twelve that were decent enough to be fertilized and fertilized them. And then it's like a five, three to I think when I was doing it, it's like three to five days. I've heard now it's more like five to seven days. They want them to um to have a little bit longer to fertilize like to, to grow in the okay. petri dish like before they're implanted. Like an incubating period. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think we were around four days. So four days later, um, they had or they had seven that actually took during that four day process. Okay. But by the time by the time we were ready for the transfer is what they call it, for them to put them in me, there were only three that were good enough to to implant. And wow. they do like a they do like a grading scale. So I think both for my age, I was 31. It was actually, it was exactly 10 years ago this month that we did it. Um, for my age, I was 31, right. It was right before I turned 32 when we did the transfer and they suggested doing two embryos, implanting two embryos at that point. And then I had one left over to freeze. Okay. So, we of the twenty eggs that they took, I really I only had three that were good enough to use once they were. Well, and makes, some women have, some women have ten, you know, that are are good. Some women only have one, so it's just it's it's hard to tell what you're going to get, and there is no guarantees. I could have had none. I mean, it was just 
it's all kind of, it's a crapshoot when it comes to that stuff for sure. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I did not know that. I didn't realize they took, they harvested so many of them and really it's like, we have to take this many because only one could actually be viable. That would be, that would be able to produce a child. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so once it's, once it's fertilized, then they put it inside you, correct? But you still don't know if it's going to grow. No. So they implanted for my first round, they implanted two of the embryos inside of me. And then you have to wait two weeks for a blood test um, to tell you if it worked or not. Because they, they, you actually, like the night before the transfer, I actually injected myself with a pregnancy hormone that your body produces naturally. And that's what like, um, that's what like the P test, the, the like EPT test and stuff that you, the P on a, on a stick test are actually they test for that hormone. Mm. So because I was injecting it in myself, I could not pee on a stick and get a, I would get a positive no matter what. So I had to wait for a blood test. They have you wait two weeks for a blood test. And then, um, I went in one morning and took the blood test and I think we waited all day. Adam was home and I, I think I ended up going to work, which was terrible. And I finally called like right before five o'clock because I hadn't heard from them. Um, and they gave me the positive results at that point. So we waited two full weeks kind of not knowing what would happen. And then we didn't know if at that point we knew I was pregnant, but we didn't know if one took or both took. Mm. And when do you find out that one takes or two takes when they go in and do a sonogram or? Yeah, the ultrasound. Um, I had to go in pretty regularly. I feel like it was a couple times a week to get um, ultrasounded and blood work done. And I think we could tell pretty early from, like when you're pregnant with twins, I, I think your your levels are, are much higher. Um, so I think we kind of knew, we weren't 100% sure until the until they got bigger, I guess, um, that it was not twins. No, I guess it was pretty quick. We figured out that it wasn't twins. And I mean, I was devastated because I thought like it was a really expensive thing to go through. I really wanted two kids. And I thought this is my only shot to have two kids. And cause we didn't really want to have to go through the process again. Um, at that point, insurances weren't covering it. So we paid, you know, out of pocket and charge things on credit cards. And like, I mean, we just, we wanted it so bad that we, we did it. And we thought that that would be it. So I think when we got the news that only one took, I think I took it hard. I I think Adam was probably more relieved than anything, but um, I took it really hard because I thought that was my only shot. And I didn't know if I wanted to just like, wanted to have, an only child. Mm. Well, yeah. Cause then they turn out crazy and spoiled like me. So it's probably best <laughs> to have two. Um, well, but then he was born. I mean, then we had him and he was a disaster. Like, I mean, he hated sleep. He cried all the time. And I was at that point realized how thankful I was that I only had one at that point. Right. Did you, um, so 
is is it is it how do I say this? Like, is it rude to use the the term infertile? No, I mean that's. I think they. I think now they coin it as like fertility issues, but no, okay. I mean in, infertile is. I don't know that I. I mean, I'm not offended by it. I don't. Okay. Think people may be, but yeah. And I asked that, and I wrote it down in my notes. I was like is the term infertile acceptable? Like, like when I was writing my notes, I was like, you have to make sure you word everything so politely because you know, I don't want to insult someone, but I saw that word online and I was like, I wonder if that is the word that somebody who has to go down this path to have children use. I mean, I probably wouldn't say that. No, Um, I think I would be I think I would be more inclined to say that we have some fertility issues. But I mean, it's all it's, you know, all kind of the same. So, Right, right. No. And I was just asking because I've it leads to my next question of here you are, you and your husband, you're working really hard to get pregnant. I mean, you guys are going above and beyond. Like, you want a baby. This isn't just yeah. like, you're like, oh, shit, we're pregnant for the seventh time. It's like, you are really trying for this. How do you get through the emotions when all your girlfriends around you are like, oh, my God, I just sneezed and I got pregnant? That's the most frustrating part. And I think that the more women I talk to, like, now um, who have had the same issues. Cause at the time, like nobody really talked about it. And, and I know it's only 10 years ago, but there weren't, you know, it was before there were like, there was Facebook groups for everything. And before there were support groups for everything, like I really felt alone when I went through this and people don't understand. And it's funny, even my best friend who was there for me, like none other, she didn't get it because she, she didn't, she didn't understand it. And I can remember she watched, I don't know what show. Oh, I think it was, it was like Juliana, Juliana and Bill Rancic that I think on their ETV show, they, I think I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. They showed the whole process and like, I can remember getting a phone call from my girlfriend after she had watched like them go through it on TV. And she's like, is that what you had to do? And uh, I'm like, yes, that like that's that's exactly what we had to do. And I think that people just don't understand, so they don't know how to be. And I didn't need anybody to be sensitive, but they don't know how to act because when your when your friends are getting pregnant and they're excited about it, it's hard to it's hard to get on board with that. But I also was fortunate enough at that point that I was really one of the first ones getting pregnant if that makes sense so i didn't have to deal with it too much but um, i know what what you're saying but it is i mean it was more for me like hearing about people who you know had gotten pregnant and didn't want it or like it happened on a drunken night with a you know random stranger like it just doesn't that doesn't feel good when you've gone you know so long wanting it and it just not happening. Right. Because you're trying, I would probably be so like, take your fucking high end uterus and get out of my face. (laughs) Cause I'm tired. I'm like, I'm tired of hearing about it because you know, people who don't have to go, people who don't have to struggle for things 
take it for granted. And I, I assure, I'm sure that you and Adam do not take being parents for granted. No, no, not at all. Even in the frustrating times where we're like, Oh my gosh, we really tried really hard for this. And look at it. Like now we're so frustrated. I'm still grateful that they're around because it, I mean, and I hope one day when they can understand the process, they understand how bad we wanted them and how bad and how, or how much we appreciate having them for sure. Right. Because I already know <laughs> this is why I don't have a uterus or I have kids. Cause I know I would be the first one to say, if you don't clean up your fucking room, we're going to have, a, I should have never got those eggs out of me. Like that would be oh. me. That's I would, I know my kids, my kids would be at the school guidance counselor going, he's threatening me about eggs. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um, now, because you have girlfriends, so I, I'm curious, I have a question. I'm curious about what's the pre, how the different prenatal care is for a woman who goes through IVF and for someone who's just naturally gets pregnant just because they can get pregnant easy. That's really like an enlightened question, Joe. Most people don't think about that. Um, I don't know if you know me, but I can be smart sometimes when I'm not telling good <laughs> jokes. No, just kidding. <laughs> No, I mean, it's funny because uh, there was a lot of uncomfortable kind of gross things that I had to do for the first, you know, trimester or two um, that normal people or like normal or people that get pregnant normally don't have to do. Like there was stuff I had to put up inside of there that wasn't comfortable to just like to to kind of keep your everything strong and closed and stuff in there if that makes sense um yes i'm trying i'm trying to be an adult (laughs) no i'm just teasing you but go ahead i'm sorry no i mean so like i mean it was uncomfortable and gross sometimes but the stuff that that the extra things that i had to do but i knew it was beneficial to keep the pregnancy going so because we I had not, fortunately for me, I had not suffered miscarriages. And I think that's like, mm. I don't want to say that I'm lucky in that respect because I, I don't know, but I didn't have to go through the terror of, is this going to continue to work? I mean, every pregnant woman goes through that, but it, I think it's more terrifying when you've suffered miscarriages sure. and then have to go through this process. So I, I knew I didn't want to go through that. So I, I mean, I did everything I needed to do, but yes, it is more invasive. I had more doctor's appointments. Um, I think for the first trimester I had like weekly, if not more vaginal ultrasounds and blood work done. And, you know, I mean, it's just more of everything when you're, when when you're going through the process. Yeah. It it probably takes an emotional toll on you as a person and your relationship, I would think, because when you, when somebody just gets naturally pregnant without having to go through that, the woman already has to go through everything. I'm uncomfortable. I'm gained weight. I don't fit in my clothes. I can't sleep. I can't. And the husband's like, oh, I'm sleeping great. But on this situation, <laughs> it's almost like there's even more stress, stressors put on the relationship. So before I, I want to say, I'm glad you guys made it and you're still together. I mean, if you can get through that, you can get through anything. But how would you, 
manage through when you got stressed with your husband, when you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like we're, we're both the cause of this, but I'm going through all the fucking work. Well, that was hard. And luckily Adam's pretty understanding. And I mean, that's the other thing, like pumping myself full of hormones for the weeks leading up to the IVF. It's hard mentally, physically, emotionally. Like I changed the like inner workings of my body to do this. And I at times was rageful. And I mean, you do like I, I, it's, you can't control it. And I think that Adam was really, really understanding about that. And I think probably more so than, um, I would have been if I were in position. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. You're like, yeah, if I was a guy, I would have been like, fuck this. I probably would have been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's hard. And I mean, I think we are, have, we've always been kind of lucky because we get a break from each other that I know that sounds also terrible, but, um, you know, he, he goes to work for three or four days at a time. And so he, we got a break from each other. So, and I think that, um, that was important for both of us. And I think that kind of helped us through because we weren't together, you know, every night or every day, like yeah. arguing about little things. And, um, cause that stress of just, first of all, not being able to get pregnant. And second of all, going through all of this, it's hard on a relationship. And there were times where I like, you know, I would cry myself to sleep and want to give up and I'm glad we didn't, but it, it's a hard thing to go through for sure. Well, for, before I ask my next question, I want to say it's not terrible to need space from your um, your spouse. You know, when I, I, Matt and I have been together now, we're going into our 17th year, but I was in the airlines for 12 and a half. So when I retired yeah. in July or whenever it was, I thought, I wonder how the dynamic is going to change in our marriage because I'm not leaving anymore. Now I'm always here and, and it has changed a yeah. lot. So yeah, that's normal. And I'm like, can you just, I'm like, I'm like, I can't wait till this pandemic's over so you can travel for work. Cause I don't travel anymore. And somebody needs that's to go, somebody needs to go on a fucking trip. <laughs> oh, that's where we're at. I mean, and I, you said if we could make it through that, we could make it through anything. I feel like if, since we've made it, or if we can make it through the rest of this pandemic, we can make it through anything. IVF is like nothing compared to not being, a, being able to have a break. Wow. <laughs> I can't wait for him to listen to this episode. He's going to be like, God, maybe I should work at two airlines. Um, oh, he already, he already knows. No. That's hilarious. Now, when you, so when you're going through all this, you know, people who don't know your path or don't know your journey tend to kind of say stupid shit because they just don't know. Did you ever, ever anyone yeah. tell you like, why don't you just adopt? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, yes. And that's, um, we had that. We had, uh, and I think that well meaning people, like I said before, saying, just stop trying. It'll happen. Or you're, you're too stressed about it. Just, and they just don't understand that that's not when you want something. And we, we thought about adoption and we, we kind of were forced to think about adoption at one point because when they, when you do go through, the, um, when we went through the IVF process, the first, one of the first things they do is do genetic testing to see if there is a genetic problem. Mm -hmm. And so when they did the genetic testing on me, 
I came back as a um, carrier for cystic fibrosis. Okay. And that, um, which means if Adam had been, if if Adam were a carrier as well, we would have a 25% chance of having a child with cystic fibrosis. Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about cystic fibrosis, it's not anything that I would wish on anyone. Um, We did a lot of research and I know 25% doesn't sound like a lot, but we, once the, once the test came back for me, they immediately wanted to test Adam. So he got his, um, the genetic testing done on him as well. And we had to, I think it was about two weeks that we had to wait for the results where we, had to go like we kind of went back and forth thinking well if you come back as a carrier as well what are we going to do do we need do we need our own child that bad does it have to be from us can we can we adapt and I think we really did it was a it was a good it was a stressful time but it was really refreshing to like be able to talk about that stuff and not have um the pressures of the, like, we weren't talking about it because people were asking us about it. We were talking about it because it was a very real possibility. And we both, we decided that we would absolutely adopt if we needed to. And we probably wouldn't go through with it if he came back as a carrier. Um, so once we got the results back and he wasn't a carrier, we knew, I mean, we knew we could go proceed, but we also knew that if push came to shove, we would a hundred percent be willing to adopt. I admire, first of all, I admire that you just said that because not about, about the adoption also, but about the fact that with the genetic testing, you're like, wow, I have a chance to, you know, have a child who has cystic fibrosis. And do I want to do that to a human being that I bring into the world? And a lot of people, first of all, would not admit that. So you're very brave to say that. I, I love you even more now. And, um, (laughs) Two, you know, I'm always, I always think about that being someone with no children and no uterus. I always think I'm just like them. Like, why wouldn't you just adopt? Like, why don't people just adopt? And it's, it's, it's so short sighted because we don't know if we haven't walked in your footsteps and we don't know why you want a child so much. So I think it's so important for people if they get anything from this episode is don't give your advice to someone who's going through this, especially if you haven't gone through it. When I was researching um, before we did this call, one of the first things it says is like, when you're talking to somebody who's gone through IVF, listen, don't give your advice. Yeah. And I think it would have been nice to to have somebody just like sit with me and, and talk to me about it and, and, or let me talk and just say, my God, that sucks. Like, I hate this for you. And I, instead of saying, well, you know, like the best gifts are worth waiting for and all the like stupid cliches that people say to, to moms who aren't moms right. yet, I guess. Well, crazy well like that, but. people are saying those things because they don't know how to deal with it themselves. Right. So, sure. so yeah. any type of thing like that, it's just like, I'm uncomfortable. Oh, it'll work out. You'll get pregnant mm-hmm. when you get pregnant because they can't, they can't even process it. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Bothers me sometimes. You know what? The best lesson everyone can learn is just shut the fuck up sometimes. <laughs> 
Just, just, just listen to your friend and say, I'm so sorry you're going through this. This sucks. Is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it sounds like it's, it's so simple, but people just don't get it. They, and it's on every level. It's even me. Like if I'm like, oh, I have this problem. Oh, it'll get, you don't know. Shut up. I know. And that's, I mean, it carries into having babies. It carries into everything that you do. Like people just give you advice and they like, even at like baby showers, they ask you to write down advice for the mom to be. And I just, my advice is always park close to the shopping cart return. Cause like, no, (laughs) that's the only thing as a mom that I've learned is like, I don't, no kid is the same, no, like, mom is the same, no situation is the same, but I'm going to tell you what, when you're trying to put a shopping cart or shopping cart back to the return, and you've got a kid alone in the car that's like a fresh baby, and you're a new mom, it's scary, so I don't care how nice the parking, or like how close the spots are, I will park next to a shopping cart return every time. Um, (laughs) I love that that's your advice. It's like, yeah, because every kid is different. And I'll I'll never understand, you know, I'm not a mom, of course, but to me, it's like, it's a club that you're initiated into. And I think that's why it's like, oh, give everyone your advice. And sometimes it's like, no, no, just, it's not going to be the same for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different journey now. So you had your first child, right? And we're not yeah. going to mention any children's names cause we like to keep privacy, but so you, we'll call, we'll call okay. the first one child a. Okay. <laughs> so child a was born. Yeah. So you had child a and at what t- bring me to the time when, Oh my goodness, child B's on the, there's a chance for child B. How does that play out? Okay, so child, we had child A, and child A is was a not the best sleeper. He cried a lot. He, you know, I mean, I felt crazy. I was so tired. So I was not, and I don't. Adam wasn't mentally prepared for me to to do it either. But I was not mentally prepared to have another child for for a while. Like that, he he made me crazy, and <laughs> I love him to death, but he made me crazy, and. So we um, moved from Michigan when child A, right before his third birthday. And mind you, our one frozen embryo stayed frozen in Michigan. Okay. And we kind of went out about our business for a little while and we started talking about it. And it was really weird because we, I can remember sitting on the kitchen floor, like playing something with child A. and um. Adam came in and he's like, we should probably really decide what we're going to do with this frozen embryo because you pay to keep it. You pay for storage and it's not that much money, but it's, you know, we're paying for something. We should probably figure out what we're going to do. And you have some options. You can either go ahead and try for it. And they call that a frozen embryo transfer, which is FET for short. And, or you can donate it to science or to, you know, uh, family, I guess, if you wanted to, or destroy it. And I, there were, uh, none of those options seemed good to me at the time. And um, I think it was within the next couple of days that we got a letter from the 
fertility specialist in Michigan kind of saying the same thing. We need to know like what your plans are for this. Um, there was like a long-term storage facility we could put it in or whatever. So we really kind of, we chatted about it. I called, I called to talk to someone at the office about it. And, um, Adam and I decided that it was worth trying. Mm -hmm. The doctors had told us previously that it was a really small chance of it working. Okay. Um, and that we would probably be better off going through a full round of IVF instead again. Mm. And cause we only had one and it was like, you know, there was only a 50% chance that it would survive the fall. And if it survived the fall, like we had a really like low chance of it working. And we just, I knew I didn't want to go through IVF again cause it is so hard on, it was so hard on us the first time around. And we were really happy at that point child A had kind of settled into like actually sleeping and or getting some sleep and we were really kind of good with I think I had come to terms at that point with only having one child okay. so it, it was funny because I just I went into this whole thing with the frozen embryo transfer feeling like it's not going to work anyway so I'm not going to get my hopes up I'm not going to tell everybody like I'm not we're just going to do this because I need the peace of mind for myself later in life. I don't mm. want the what if, like I don't want, I, I couldn't bring myself to destroy it. I definitely didn't want to donate it to someone else. And my really only options were to go through with it or donate it to science. Um, I could, uh, I couldn't think of, I, I felt like later in life I would always wonder what if we had tried it? What would happen? And by our thought kind of process at the time is if we're going into this thinking that it's not going to happen, then what do we have to lose? Mm -hmm. So we, we decided to go through with it and it's a much cheaper process. So we figured, you know, if we're out some money, at least we've got the peace of mind. Like that's priceless to me. So we decided to go through with it and we I had to, I had to find a fertility specialist where we live now and he did the monitoring, like he did all the ultrasounding and stuff beforehand. It's a lot less invasive to do the frozen embryo transfer. So it's less injections. It's less kind of everything, but I did have to be monitored with ultrasounds and blood work pretty regularly again. And so I found a place down here that would send all my information, like daily reports to my, the specialist in Michigan. So we went through that. And when it was, I think I went up for a couple consultations up there. And when it was time to do it, I flew. No, I think I drove up. I drove up with Liam and Adam didn't even, I don't even think Adam was there at all. Um, he, my mom went with me and we, there was one injection that I had to do the night before. And I, they, you prep all, you prep yourself for all of this and they don't thaw it until like the day before the transfer. Mm -hmm. So I'm prepping my body oh, okay. for all of this and going through all the motions, truly believing that it may not survive the thaw. So they take the embryo, embryo out and thaw it. I have no idea how they do it, but um, they thaw it. And so I didn't find out that it survived the thaw until the morning I went in to get the transfer done. And so we got in there again, thinking like my mom was with me. It's not a big deal. 
it probably like they're probably we're probably just going to walk out of here not doing anything. And the nurse came in and said, all right, I'm going to prep you. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you're going in for your transfer. And I said, it survived the thaw. And she's like, yep, we're, like, we're, we're doing it. And I was uh, <laughs> like, at that point, totally shocked. And so we went in and it was actually kind of cool because my mom got to be there with me and see the whole process. And it opened up her eyes, I think, to, to what we had been through before. So they did the transfer and they, I mean, you're awake for all of that. Like they lay it down and watch through it. Like you can watch them implant it on like the ultrasound monitor. So they go through that whole process and I laid there for the, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes after and the whole time thinking that it wouldn't work and went about my business. And then two weeks later, I had to wait the two weeks for the blood test and they did the blood draw. No, I think it was back up in Michigan. I did the blood draw and it came back positive for the pregnancy. And I was shocked. It took me a long time to really think like, or to believe that it had actually worked. Mm -hmm. Cause I had gone into it in, in such a, not a negative way, but a realistic way, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, that I think Adam and I were both totally floored and shocked that it actually had worked because they were, the odds were stacked so far against us. Um, and that was, well, oh, and, oh sorry, child B. Well, you've, <laughs> listen, listen, we can, you've already said child A's name anyway. So I was, yeah, you have, I was just trying to, um, protect their privacy, but it is, it's oh, okay. It's fun. okay. It's okay. Um, Wow. Now, so you go into, this is fascinating, fascinating, because I almost want to cry because I know, I, I know your children and this story is so exciting for me, but now you say you go into it, not having any expectations during that two period time where you waiting, are you like, oh yeah, no, I hope this works. Or are you like, it's probably not going to work, I, but it was a good time to visit my mom. Yeah, I mean, I think I was more like that. I mean, I was hopeful. I Don't get me wrong. I was not like going into this saying, this is never going to work. I just, I, in my, I think I had, I was so content with the idea of having one kid. Like I, I had finally reached the contentment of just having one kid that I was really okay with knowing that at least we tried and I'll be okay. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I think I would have for sure been upset or let down. Cause I mean, as, as realistic as I feel like we were, I was so hopeful right. that it would work. Um, but once it actually, I mean, we were shocked, like for sure shocked. I was prepared to be sad for a little bit and then kind of move on with like, move on with life and like family of three and, and handle it. But, I mean, child B threw us for a total loop and now he is like, it couldn't be a better fit in our family. So it's, I mean, it all worked out perfectly. Do you ever, you know, do you ever sit down and like, just think about this entire journey that you and your husband, Adam have been on? I say your husband, Adam, like, I don't know who he is, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but do you ever sit there and think, this is when I want to cry and I might, because I've been emotional lately, but do you ever think like, Oh, do you ever think like 
Wow, he was waiting for us. I don't know why I'm crying right now. But, uh, oh, no. I, love that. I mean, I mean, I mean, do you ever think, do you ever like hold him and think you waited for us and we came back for you? And that just really, that's, that makes me very emotional. Oh my gosh, that makes me emotional, Joe. Well, um, I guess I, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Woo. God, I should have wine at 10 o'clock in the morning. No, I know. I should have some too. Um, oh, man. Honestly, it's so funny that you say that. I've never really thought about it like that. Like that we, he waited for us and we came back to him. I just always. I kind of always joke around about him, like just growing in a freezer for five years, like, <laughs> which is funnier than me being emotionally a wreck because <laughs> I'm emotional lately. Um, are they are they considered twins though? Because they're from the same batch, but they're not the same egg, so maybe they're not twins. So they're not twins, but they could have been. That's what we we always laugh because um, our oldest wanted like once or always wanted a brother that was his age. And now we laugh that like they could have been twins and they would have been, they would have looked like Arnold and Danny in <laughs> twins because their, <laughs> their body types are just so different. And they're so, so different. Um, it would have been a funny, it would have been really funny to see them raised together as twins. Yeah. And it's strange because we do, like, we talk about it and we're very open with them. Like, they know um, science helps us get them. Like, I don't think they, they're too young. They're 10 and 5, so they don't understand the whole process behind it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but we have joked around that they could be twins before. And uh, we get some looks, especially the little one has no clue. But right. um, our oldest is like, well, what do you mean? And we've kind of walked him through that and make like freezer jokes about Owen sometimes, but, um, damn it. I just did it again. Everybody knows your kids' names by now because I know, it's Liam saved. and so Owen. We it's Liam it. and yeah. Owen. And I remember, I can remember Adam sending me a message. Like nobody knows this yet, but we're going to have another baby. I was like in the top tier of people that found out. I bet you were. Yeah, you totally were. Yeah. I think he asked me if he could tell you. And I was so excited and um, I was shocked. And that's when I was like, wow, this changes. You know, I we're going to go down this road for a moment, but I I'm a pro choice person. Uh, if I, I am as well, if I was a, and this is how I look at it. If I was a woman, I personally probably would not have an abortion. My mom had an abortion after me. She picked the wrong one. <laughs> oh God, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. But you know, but I personally would probably not have an abortion, but I also know that it's not my place or anyone's place to tell a woman what they should do with their body. Absolutely. You going through this, you said the word like, like when you were, when you were hearing from this clinic and they're like, these are your options. And you said the word like destroy. And it, it like really charged something in my brain for a moment because the idea of destroying that embryo, never knowing that sits, you know, I'm so on the fence with it because I'm like, yeah, you can't tell someone what to do, but what if. What if that person that's not born could like, what if Owen is the one who, you know, creates the cure for cancer? 
Yeah. I'll be glad to know him by then because I'll probably need it. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'd bank on Liam instead of Owen. But. Well, <laughs> when, I, when I refer to your kids, I refer to the basketball player and the football player. That's their body yeah. types. One is very tall. Yeah. But how do you, you've going through that and you're, you're pro-choice, you going through that, did it change your outlook on abortion or, you know, people not having their children come to f- full term and stuff? So that's a tricky one for me because it is like, I mean, like I said, we joked about Owen being in a freezer. It was, I mean, it is Owen now as an embryo, it's a cluster of cells though, you know? And I mean, it's, so it's a tricky, like a slippery slope for me because I know what that cluster of cells grew into and our life wouldn't be the same without it. But I also don't, I also understand that at that point, the cluster of cells is not like I would never have destroyed it. I don't. I don't know how to phrase this. That doesn't sound. No, just say. I don't know. No, just say it. It's okay. I, I mean, I just don't. I don't. I'm pro-choice because I don't believe. I believe that a woman should choose, mm-hmm. and I believe that it was my choice to choose with our, even our embryos. Like if I had destroyed it, should I feel bad? Should I, you know, should I regret that? I, I don't know. It's a really weird thing for me to think about because I do know that that turned into Owen, but at that point it wasn't Owen. Right. And so it, it doesn't make me any more for or against. It's just totally different circumstances and totally different situations. Um, well, I, I think by the time, Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Go ahead. I was going to say. In circles at this point. Well, no, I was going to say <laughs> using the word choice is so important because you had a choice. You you had a choice yeah. to to try. You had a choice not to try. You had a choice to give it up for someone else, possibly to have a child. So the choice you were given a choice. So being, having that choice is very important. Can you imagine if they would have just called you and said, Oh yeah. Or if you would have called them and said, Hey, I want to make a choice. And they're like, sorry, we made it for you. Yeah. We made it for you. Exactly. And that's where it is. It's not so much like what we consider a life. It's, it's, it's your choice and your body. And I felt like that was my choice to make. I feel terrible for some of like, I feel like we kind of left out cause we only had one. And so I could make the choice to, ha- to have it. And I look at some women, I know some people personally that have, you know, five or 10 embryos in a freezer. And I mean, you're not going to have five or 10 kids. Uh, most people aren't. Uh, so what do you do? What's the right choice for those? And I'm just glad that I've never, I was not in the position to make that choice. Cause that's gotta be a hard one. Cause that is like that. Mm. Which one what do you, do you choose? Yeah. Yeah. Like tw- nobody needs 20 kids. No, no. And that was one thing. Like I feel fortunate that we really did not. We only had the one. And I think if we had two, I probably would have done the same thing had both of them implanted at the same time. If we had three, I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have tried it two more times. That's for sure. So you think that, cause you had three embryos, you put two in the first time. If those two yep. wouldn't have taken, 
you would have probably did the third one, but then that would have probably been it. I, I don't know. Um, I think if none of them had worked, I, I don't know what we would have done. Um, I guess I've never really thought about that. Um, I was really dead set about not going through IVF, the full IVF again. I think we probably would have looked into adoption and then made a final decision at that point. I, I don't know, honestly. I'm really glad I didn't have to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, you, your story, it's a happy ending, which is fantastic. It, it is. It really and is I a happy was, ending. And I'm a lot luckier, and I know this, I'm a lot luckier than a lot of, well, we both are, my husband and I are luckier than a lot of couples that have to go through the process numerous times or, you know, have a bunch of failed attempts. And um, there was a family that we got to know here right when we moved here and she had tried like five or six times. And it was, it's an expensive draining process. I mean, bank account wise, emotionally, physically, like I just can't imagine having, having to go through it and wanting it that bad and it failing every single time. Like that's, I feel lucky that it worked for us as well as it did. And I just can't imagine going through it that many times. And I don't know that I would have, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it would have been how bad I wanted it at that point, but which was pretty bad. I, I don't know. Do you think having now you guys have other friends who have children who didn't go through IVF. Do you think that going through down this journey, this path to getting pregnant, does it change you as a parent? Do you think you're more helicopter parent-like because your children are basically miracles? Um, Or is it more of, because they are, it's science. Well, okay, you can't say science and miracle, but you know what I mean. Um, I get it. You get it, thank you. But do you notice a different way how parents parent when when they've gotten pregnant in a different way? Oh, I don't think so. I think I'm helicoptery because I'm a control freak. So I don't think it has anything to do with, (laughs) I don't think it has anything to do with our struggles. You know, I just, I I asked that, I asked that because I wanted to know if you were a helicopter parent. (laughs) Oh, I mean, you can ask Adam about that, but I feel like I am. I'm always the like, (gasps) don't do that (gasps) kind of parent. So I'm, and I know where my kids are at all times. Like I just, I, I'm definitely not a free range parent. That's for sure. So were you a free range kid though? Not really. Um, I think, I mean, I guess uh, the apple does not fall far from the tree when it comes to my control issues. So um, I think that we were pretty, I mean, we, uh, no, I lied. We would leave and never come back. Yeah. For the whole day. Yeah, that's true. I guess I was more free range. Yeah. It was like, don't come back. I mean, that was not that was in the eighties where like at seven, I could just leave the house and go play in the woods all day and not come back till dinner. Right. So dangerous. If your kid, like, if your kid said, Hey, I'm going to go out, I'll be back before dinner. Would you be like, yeah, not today. Yes. I like that would, I, I don't know. I'd have a hard time with that, but I also think parenting has changed so much since then because of the world that we live in. Um, 
And I think I would trust my kids. I just don't trust other people. Sure. And, you know, it's it's hard for me to say, like, because I know helicopter parents who didn't go through IVF and they, they, they're just like, you know, if my child's not five feet from me, I'm, I start to panic. I mean, I'm not that bad. Okay. I'm it, not that bad. Is Adam You'll more, have to interview Adam about that. <laughs> is Adam more of the, yeah, go play. Don't tell your mother. Yeah. Okay. It's very interesting. Yeah. He's the fun guy. Well, it's probably because you fucking carried them and you had to get them implanted into you. I mean, that probably <laughs> affects you differently, right? I would true. imagine. Maybe it does. Maybe you're right. I will admit this. If I had children, I would be a helicopter parent. I already know it. I don't even have them, but my imaginary kid, I'm a helicopter cat dad. So I can, you only, are. oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. If they're not in my sight, I'm like, they're dead. So, um, yeah, like I imagine coyotes coming into the house and getting them. And Matt's like, you know, they don't open doors. I'm like, we don't know that yet. Um, yeah. So I know that I would be, a, I, I automatically know I'd be like, where are you going? What are you doing? No, you can't have a pencil. You could fall and it could poke your eye out and you'd be blind. And then you're never going to save the world. Yeah. I would be a crazy person. Yeah. Adam makes fun of me because I I have to check on them before I go to bed or he has to, one of us has to lay eyes on him or on them before we go to bed because I don't want one of them to get kidnapped in the middle of the night and be those parents that are like, I don't know. I didn't like 6 PM yesterday was the last time I saw him. Like I want, I want to be able to say on Dateline, I saw my kid at 1130 PM before I went to bed and they were safe. Right. You were like, I saw them at 1130. And then when I got to pee at one up at one, so in an hour and a half, something happened. <laughs> Someone came in their room and took them. Please stop yeah. thinking about that because now you're making me stressed. No. <laughs> oh, I know. I have really strange thoughts when it comes to that stuff. I'm like, I'm obsessed with making sure my life looks okay on Dateline if ever, if it ever needs to come to that. Oh my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> Sarah, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. We're not done though, but, um, it, it takes a brave person to come on and share these things. And, I want to thank you because I'm sure that there's people out there who might not understand the process of what it's like going through in vitro fertilization. It's just like, oh yeah, I've heard it's tough, but so is trying to shop on Good Friday. Yeah, so it's totally glad, different. I'm glad that you came on and you shared that. Now, when you were, do you recommend anyone going through this? Do you think therapy is important while? someone would be going through this type of um, journey to get pregnant? Do you think therapy helps? I mean, maybe, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I, absolutely. Um, I also think just talking about it and not making it seem so, like, taboo uh, is also a great way to to feel better about what's happening. I think, especially when we were going through it, it was like, there were people that didn't want to talk about it or didn't want to like acknowledge that it was happening. And I don't know if it was out of embarrassment or um, not knowing what to say or how to handle it or how to like how other people would perceive it. Um, I, and I think now it's talked about so much more. And I mean, there's like one in eight couples go through infertility and, 
And I think that it is so much more normal now that I don't know if therapy is so much needed as just talking about it and sharing your feelings about it. I think it's important that people know that it's okay to feel lonely and isolated and that's normal, but you don't have to feel that way like that. And that was for me, it was really hard because I felt like nobody understood what I was going through. And I just went through the motions. I really like, I hate to admit this, but the doctor told us that this is what we were doing and gave me a binder full of information. And like, I just took it as, as what it was. And I think that, um, now there's so many other resources and, um, like I said, like Facebook groups and, um, support groups and things like that, that I, yeah, I think that's super beneficial to be able to talk to someone, if not a therapist, but someone about it. Cause right. it does, it affects more than just your life with your partner. It affects your life in general and your rela- relationships in general. And I think just talking about it helps everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think looking back 10 years and five years, was there a, did you notice it being different, just being accepted, not accepted, that's not the word I'm looking for, just being talked about and stuff between the 10 and five years when you had your first child, then the five-year gap, and then when you went to have your second child, did it seem easier for people to talk about or was it the same situation? Yeah, no, and I think I was more vocal about it. I think that I wasn't... Um. 10 years ago, I kind of let other people's reactions, like close people's reactions kind of dictate how far I was going to go with it. And then as the years started, started on, I started thinking like, I need to have a, I like, I need to have a voice about this. I don't mind talking about it. We am very open about it to anyone that asks. And I feel like with my second pregnancy and what we went through, it was, it was such an awesome experience. And it's so amazing that, that, this embryo that we froze five years ago, like made it. And I think Mm -hmm. I was more, way more vocal and upfront about it the second time around. I wasn't so much as we were going through the process because I just, I didn't want to have to tell everybody that it didn't work. Mm, So I don't, I mean, and that was more because of my, I mean, my clothes, like my family knew, Adam's family knew, our close friends knew, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't as vocal about it at that point, but once it worked and we were, we were good. I was, I'm an open book about it for sure. And that's really good because it does, it teaches people or it educates people that it's okay to talk about. It's okay to ask questions about it. It's okay to listen. It's, you know, if, if you want to bring it up and somebody's like, "Uh uh-huh, the weather's nice today. Like that's not cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I like, I like that. All right. Listen, I want to do. I want to ask you one more question before we go. We're going to play a uh, a round of Let's Get Grounded, where you pick a number between one and a hundred, and then you answer the question. It's so simple. So pick a number between okay. one and a hundred. I'm going to go with forty-two. Is that how old you are? No. <laughs> You're like you I will don't. fucking slap you. Okay. Oh my god, this question is so perfect, and you're going to know why. When I read it, what superhero powers would you like to have? Because you know, your kids are superheroes. I know what superhero power would I like to have? I think, so we've, I've talked about this with my kids. Mm -hmm. We've talked about, 
um, like being invisible and I wouldn't want to do that because I don't want to know what people think about me. Um, <laughs> I like blissfully, it, like ignorance is bliss when it comes to what people have to say about me because I'd be too curious and I would spy too much if I were invisible. I think teleportation would be mine. Right, because you, you, you could be right me? here. You could be right here yeah. in my office and we could be doing this and then we could get hammered and then you could just teleport back home after. Yeah, or flying. Do superheroes teleport? I don't know. Even Or flying like Superman, I would do, because that gets me there places faster, too. I just hate traveling, but I love going places. So I just want to be able to teleport myself to places. And this is an actual conversation you've had with your 10 and 5-year-old, which I think is fabulous. Oh, 100%. I feel like I think Liam wants to be able to fly and Owen... Wants to punch things hard, I think, like a Hulk, like the Hulk smash. None of these things surprise me, though, because <laughs> he's a beast. He's a beast. You know, my husband and I, when I was coming up with these new questions, we were camping in Wyoming. I don't know. No, no, no. We were somewhere in Utah or something. We were camping and we were sitting by the fire. I had a few edibles. I had some drinks and we were having this conversation. And he scared me a little because I said, what superhero power would you like? Well, first of all, I told him I would like to be able to move things with my mind. So when somebody cuts me off, I could just flick my wrist and their car would fly into the air and explode. I know I would oh, be a, that's so, a good one. So that's I, a good one, Joe. Yeah. So I'm a villain basically because I want to actually <laughs> blow up cars when they're assholes on the highway. But <laughs> Matt even went further. And then I had to sleep with one eye open in the tent. He says, I would like to be able to manipulate people's decisions in their mind. Oh, dang. Matt's got a dark side. And when I said that to him, he was like, what? What are you talking about? I said, um, I want to blow up people who cut me off the road. You want to actually go into somebody's brain and have them and tell them what to do. And then they don't even know it. I'm like, spooky. So, yeah, he's crazy. See, that's so much responsibility. That's too much responsibility for me. I just want fun and light. Like, that's what we talked about, um, like, being able to see the future. And I would never mm. want to do that either. Oh, God, no. No. Yeah, too much responsibility. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't even want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, just surprise me. I would not I want, like, like, there's some people are like, I would love to know the day I'm going to die. Fuck that. It could be today. What if you found out it was today? I would be pissed. <laughs> I'd be pissed too, for I sure. Be, I would be like, I have way too many things. Sarah, you're so fabulous. Thank you for coming on the show and having this heart to heart mm -hmm. conversation with me. You know, people, I still don't believe this, but you and I have never met in person. I know you've met half of my family, but I've, not me. I've met half of your family. I've met your oldest son and your husband, of course, but not you and Owen. And uh, it just drives me absolutely crazy. So I think I it, it, it's going to happen in 2021. It has to. It has to. Yeah, because, well, my kids want to yeah. come. My kids want to come camping with you and Matt because they oh, yeah. think you guys are way too cool with your all of your stuff. We are like, we don't really have any nieces and nephews, but if we did, we would be the coolest gay uncles on the planet. You really would be. It's, like, I be want incredible. you to be my gay uncle. I'll be your Will gay uncle. Will you be my gay uncle? <laughs> well, you know, I've only been asked to be somebody's gay daddy, but I could be a gay uncle, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> 
Sarah. Thank you. Oh, wait a minute. You know what I just thought before I let you go? I'll let everybody know. Yeah. When I found out that you were having your second baby and you guys were talking about names. And I remember I told your husband, I was like, you should name him Arthur Joseph because I was really into Archer, Archer Joseph. And of course I love my name. And when you didn't do it, like I'm still surprised. I bought him a teddy bear and named it Archer Joseph because I get what I want. We found the birth certificate the other day because it was a build a bear. Yes. And it comes with a birth certificate and his name is Archer Joseph Willis. Should I have not said that? Well, I mean, yeah, you probably, you obviously have no idea how to protect your privacy. I don't. Gosh, I don't even use my Archer. real last name. And um, yeah, I don't even do But it's okay. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I love that. Anyway. I love that he still has that teddy bear. Five years he later. Does have it, but, he, but he hates his name. Okay. You you didn't have to tell me that. I know. He wants to change his name. I told him you'd be really mad if he did. Well, okay. Well, first, what's the, what name does he want to change it to? Uh, Barry. Okay. You know, that's Barack Obama's, that's what Barack Obama's white friends used to call him when he was a kid. So I'll go with it. Barry. I'm only saying that because my heart is breaking and I don't want to cry again. (laughs) I've already already cried today. And it's, what is it Uh, in Mount? It's 1114 in the morning in Denver. And I've already cried, Sarah. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, honey. You take care. Thank you. Please give your family a big hug and kiss for me, and I will talk to you soon. I will. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Grounded with Joe Thomas, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can also follow the Instagram page at Grounded with Joe Thomas on, you guessed it, Instagram. Tell all your friends, and we will see you next episode.